The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. on this, the Friday edition of the 6.30 Chad Afternoon News. Thanks for joining me. Andrew is back on Monday. The show, a short one today as we turn it over at 4 o'clock to full coverage of the NHL entry draft. Bob Jack Reed in uh, Chicago covering that uh, for us right here on 6.30 Chad. Uh, Reed will join me in about 20 minutes to tee it all up. Right now, though, I want to talk uh, to Nancy Hicks, the crime reporter out of Global Calgary and, and covering the Derek Soretsky trial for uh, for Global, for, for Chorus. Nancy, hi. Hi, thanks oh, for having me. Yeah, no, thanks for taking the time. I know you've been uh, juggling a lot of things over the past couple of weeks. So today, uh, Derek Soretsky's lawyer saying there would not be any witnesses called to testify at his client's triple murder trial. Um, Monday, closing arguments. Was was that a surprise at all, Nancy, that there would be no, no witnesses called on behalf of the defense? I mean, you can never predict, and uh, yeah. a defense lawyer doesn't generally show their cards prior to uh, actually getting up and, and making the decision in court. Um, I can say it's not uncommon. You know, okay. We just saw the triple murder trial of Douglas Garland earlier this year, and in that case as well, defense elected not to call any evidence. So, I mean, we've seen it before, and it, it's uh, just one of these uh, cases where... Um, you know, we, we just didn't know, though, for sure, until, of course, he made it official in court today. Okay, for those uh, listening right now who are trying to remember which case this is, um, Derek Soretsky lived in Blairmore, pleaded not guilty to three counts of first-degree murder. He's accused of killing Hannah Mekatek and then five days later, later killing Terry Blanchett, 27 years old, and his little girl, Haley Dunbar Blanchett. You'll remember there was an Amber Alert. Uh, Haley was only two years old. Just uh, devastating. And you know what, Nancy? Nancy, um, you and the jurors sat through a lot of a difficult testimony uh, during during this. Nothing that I really want to get into at, at this point now that it's wrapped up. I'm curious to know, though, as is watching the jurors, how they held up. Well, this they've taken frequent breaks, very sudden breaks, uh, several times, because this was graphic and disturbing evidence that they were hearing. And like you said, um, a lot of the evidence is so graphic that we haven't even given the specific details. Mm. I mean, we've, we've spoken in very general terms, but it's horrific information. There's been a lot of photo exhibits that they've uh, wa- uh, looked at. And then there's been multiple videotaped confessions to police that have played. Um, so, yeah, the jurors have a lot to deal with. Uh, I've done several stories, and I've been talking about this a little bit lately, about the support that's available mm-hmm. for jurors. And people have been asking, what what is out there for uh, jurors? And um, Alberta Justice sent me some information. Um, it comes from the Resolution and Court Administration Services Div- Division. And they offer counseling packages to all trial jurors free of charge. And this kind of ensures that the same support services are offered consistently to every juror across the province. Um, On the first day of the trial, jurors are given information on counseling services available. They get a toll-free hotline number they can call, and what they're given is four in-person counseling sessions after an initial assessment that can be used anytime during the trial or up to Mm. two months after the trial. So that's four sessions. 
I've spoken with one juror who uh, who has PTSD out of Toronto, and he he covered a very graphic homicide trial there. And I mean, he's been paying for a couple of years now out of pocket for counseling. Mm-hmm. So, you know, the government says that they will assess if somebody needs beyond four four sessions. But uh, I can tell you, he's had many more than four, and and he's advocating for. Um, more support nationally. Yeah, you would think that there would be more support put in place if we're going to call upon Canadians to, to, you know, be away from work, being away from their families, sit through in some cases such as this and uh, the the Garland trial down down in, in Calgary as well. I mean, we need to make sure that the jurors, the people that are listening to this and seeing this, um, have the treatment they need to deal with what they're hearing and seeing. It's it's um, unfathomable to me that there's there's not a, a stronger program in place. Yeah, and I mean the the long lasting impact. I mean this this juror that I've been uh, dealing with, Mark Ferrand from uh, Toronto, he's told me his horror story. You know his his life has changed. He, he hasn't, he doesn't sleep properly, doesn't eat properly. He's a parent. He has, he has kids. So his whole life has changed. Mm-hmm. He's a different, he's a shadow of kind of the person he was uh, before the trial. And you have to remember that jurors don't choose to do this. Exactly. You know, they're randomly selected. You know, I'm a journalist. I, I choose to do the job that mm-hmm. I do. I know that my job as a crime reporter is going to have, me doing some very graphic work mm-hmm. um but these people they they it's not their choice yeah yeah and you know it's interesting when you watch jury selection there's quite a few jurors that try to get out of it and <laughs> you know it's it's not really that easy to get out of it this is the their duty to have to do and you know it's, it's a huge service that they do for all canadians yeah so. without a doubt nancy hicks joining us on the phone this afternoon she's been covering the derek soretsky trial um i was reading today that two jurors will be dismiss- dismissed so there's 14 and then two will be dismissed so number down to 12 why does that happen well they they keep two extras uh not alternates but they're extra jurors just in case something would happen in case somebody would have a sudden illness or a death or oh, or okay. something um so 12 will ultimately decide the fate of Derek Zaretsky. And, you know, we've seen this in other trials. It was the same situation in the, the Garland trial. And, you know, it, it's pretty difficult to watch as two numbers are drawn mm-hmm. out of a box at the end because these people are invested. Mm-hmm. They've listened to the evidence, and you would think that they'd want to be a part of uh, the deliberations and reaching the decision. But in the end, there will be 12 okay. that... Uh, that come to the decisions in this case. Nancy, I'm not sure if if, uh, if you can answer this question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. A lot of folks say, okay, how can he confess and then plead not guilty? How does that happen? Well, I, I mean, he's charged with three counts of first-degree mm-hmm. murder. Um, I guess you could look at this, this from, from a number of uh, angles first. I mean, everybody's entitled to a fair trial. Mm-hmm. Um, and there is, of course, the presumption of innocence. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, also, I, I guess you would have to say he has nothing to lose by running the yeah. trial, right? Yeah. So, um, but, yeah. you know, that's the most commonly on social media. People are tweeting me. They're, they're mm-hmm. posting on my crime page on Facebook. They're all asking, you know, what what's the point of this? But, you know, it does come down to everyone is entitled to a trial. Okay. So, and it, yeah. So the the judge will um, offer his comments on Monday, and then the jury begins to deliberate. 
so it'll be closing arguments first from the prosecution on Monday, followed by defense. Okay. And then timing becomes a little uh, bit okay. unclear. <laughs> the the judge and the lawyers involved need to come up with a very uh, structured and, you know, it'll be very scripted uh, instructions that will be read to the jury. And that has to happen without the jury present. So it's a matter of when that will happen. Will that uh, happen on Monday afternoon after closing arguments? or And will they be ready to proceed Tuesday or will they be ready to proceed Wednesday? The instructions to the jury okay. will likely take a couple of hours. So yeah. once that happens, it could be, you know, Tuesday afternoon they could start deliberating. Or if the instructions to the jury don't happen until Wednesday, they'd start Wednesday afternoon. So it's, right. that's a little bit up in the air. All we know right now is that closing arguments will be on Monday. And closing arguments on Monday. And, of course, you'll be there covering everything for us. Nancy Hicks, thank you so much for doing this for us today, and I hope you have a good weekend. Thank you so much. Nancy Hicks, the Global Calgary crime reporter. She's been covering the Derek Soretsky trial for Global, for for Global National, for Global Calgary, for Global Edmonton, uh, right across the country. And, of course, uh, Derek Soretsky, as you remember, he was 24 years old, uh, lived in Blairmore, pleaded not guilty to three counts of first-degree murder, even though he confessed to all three in a videotape interview with police, he had told police that he had feelings for Cheyenne Dunbar, Terry Blanchette, one of his victims' ex-girlfriend, and Haley's mom. So, yeah, and just some, as as uh, as Nancy mentioned, you know, they've the information that has provide been provided or been released. Uh, about what happened has been graphic enough and as uh, Nancy alluded to that's not even necessarily close to what was presented as far as trying to you know deliver it in a proper way but yeah pretty horrific once again and uh, the closing arguments will start on Monday we'll have full coverage right here on 630 Ched it's 347 On this Friday afternoon, just under nine minutes left to get in on this charity auction. Global Edmonton has donated a 40-person suite for the Edmonton Eskimos home opener happening on June 30th. It uh, closes at 4 o'clock, so just under nine minutes away. So Molson's, Coca-Cola, Andrew Peller Wines and Western Food Services have all donated their services. So what it is... It's going to be amazing. It's a party suite for 40 people at Commonwealth for the home opener for the Eskimos, presented by Global Edmonton, Ched. Um, As we mentioned, all the people, all the food and drink provided. All the proceeds are going to the Edmonton Eskimos Women's Dinner Endowment Fund for Ovarian Cancer Research at the Lois Hole Hospital for Women. 
Uh, you know, any of this uh, cash is going to help towards the fight and raise some funds to battle this awful disease. And again, it closes at 4 o'clock, just under 8 minutes away. In 8 minutes, just after the 4 o'clock news, we'll be turning things over to a special coverage of the NHL entry draft. Bob Stoffer, Jack Michaels, and our very own Reed Wilkins from Inside Sports in Chicago this afternoon to cover the draft. Reed Wilkins joins us now. Hey, Reed. Hey, Jalen. Great to talk to you. Great to talk to you. Tell me, what's your first impression of Chicago? Uh, well, I've enjoyed Chicago from uh, what I've been able to. We've mostly been uh, mostly been downtown, which is pretty cool. Very busy. The uh, the food options. I, I mean, I'm, I'm wondering if people in Chicago ever stay home and just make their own food because there are so many restaurants. It's uh, it's it's pretty mind boggling. And, and yesterday, when I was uh, on Inside Sports with Brendan. People were texting in where I got to go to eat, and I was like, I'm only here until Saturday, so I'm not going to satisfy everybody by getting their recommendations. But uh, it's it's pretty cool. I got to walk uh, over by where the Chicago River comes in, and and uh, and see some of the architecture. I got to see that big the the bean, the big mirror yeah. structure. So I've always wanted to see it in person because you always see people see people to take pictures of it. And I was like, well, is it really that impressive? And when you see it in person, it's it's pretty impressive. It's a pretty cool structure. So I've got to do a few uh, little touristy things like that, but uh, doing some work as well. And the Oilers have been busy with uh, obviously locking up Chris Russell today uh-huh. and the big Jordan Eberle trade yesterday. Uh, I, I, I do. We will get to the draft here in a second. But that pizza, that picture of that pizza you tweeted the other day, it was about two feet oh, yeah. deep. That was craziness. I've never well, seen anything like that. And I had a, that was a Giordano's, and then I had a pizza yesterday at a place called Pizzeria Du, like D-U-E, and I liked it better than the Giordano's pizza. Oh, my gosh. Wow. You're going to have to get back into running when you come home. Um, yeah, so, so I'll be heavier when I get back. <laughs> yeah. So what's coming up uh, on the show tonight? What are we watching for? What are you guys looking for? Well, I, I, I mean, first of all, off the top of the draft, uh, where the Oilers aren't this year, is, is who's going to go number one? You know, Nolan Patrick has been kind of the consensus number one for a while. Uh, Nico Heeshear from uh, Halifax has kind of pushed his way up there. Will they go one or two, or could there be a surprise? Hmm. And I think you also have to look at, could there be some movement within the top six? Could a team possibly make a trade? Maybe they think they can move down to get and still get the player they wanted. So that's some of the intrigue at the top. And then for the Oilers, obviously, at number 22. Now, they're not going to have you know, the, their pick of the guys. So, you know, and we'll hear from Peter Shirelli and Bob and Jack and I will talk about it. I, I think they'd probably lean towards a forward. But, you know, you never know who could be available. But certainly it's a, it's a different experience for the Oilers this season and someone who we aren't going to talk about and jumping into the lineup right off the bat, right? It's somebody who's mm-hmm. probably going to go back to his, to his junior team if they take somebody out of the CHL. Now, who has uh, the first pick overall this year? So the New Jersey Devils have the first overall pick because they were one of, well, you know how they do the lottery now. Yep. They take yep. three, three teams. So the, the, all three teams moved up. You got New Jersey, Philadelphia, and Dallas as the top three. So they all jumped up, and then it's Colorado, Vancouver, and Vegas. And, and, you know, Vegas has been making tons of deals. They actually have 13 picks in this draft. And you know, could they try to could they try to move up and, and make a splash their first year in the league, 
trying to get a number one or something uh -huh. in the top three. So, you know, that's always the, the <laughs> fun part for me at the draft is when a Bettman walks up and s instead of introducing the next team to pick, he says, we have a trade to announce. Yeah, yeah. Well, awesome. Looking forward to the coverage and uh, love it. So it starts tonight from 4 to 6, and then you're back on the air tomorrow morning. Well, we're on from, uh, we got draft coverage from 4 until the first round's done. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm done. Today, Usually yes. the show is done yeah, at 6. I'm thinking to 6. <laughs> yeah, that's okay. So, no, yeah, no inside sports. We just got the draft coverage. And then, yes, back on for rounds 2 through 7 at uh, 7 a.m. tomorrow. Awesome. Uh, awesome, Reed. Looking forward to it. Uh, enjoy the rest of your time in Chicago. Thanks, Jalen. Okay, it's Reed Wilkins down at the NHL entry draft coverage beginning in moments, and we'll continue to the end of the first round and back on the air tomorrow morning at 7 o'clock. Thanks for joining me the last couple of days as I've been flying solo. Andrew will be back with me in studio Monday at 2. Have a great weekend, everyone. We'll talk to you then. The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jalen Nye and Andrew Gross. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad.